We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another episode of The Pod is the Roof, the Field of 68's very own UNC Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Karabatsis, joined as always by my co-host slash sometimes the host, Riley Davis, my guy. It's been a while, man. We're still waiting for some Carolina hoops. We finally (laughs) get some on Saturday, but... How you been in the meantime, man? Yeah, that's that's as you were introducing the podcast, I was I realized it's been over a week since we last recorded. I'm like I miss I miss my guy JK. I miss talking about UNC hoops. The last time we we chatted, we were going into this UConn game that loomed large. Didn't didn't quite get the win, you know. Showed that we could hang with them. I think they just got a little better depth, and they're so well coached. Um, it, and yeah, it feels like it's been forever since UNC played. We're, it's only been eight days. Um, I honestly don't mind the break because UNC basketball games are uh, a bit stressful for me. I tend to tend to get very emotionally invest, uh, invested, as probably most fans do, to where I'm like, hey, it's kind of nice to just chill for a little bit and to to not have to worry, to get to watch some other games. Uh, the, the slate this week has been pretty weak. There hasn't been too many good games so far. But yeah, aside from that, you know, just getting ready for Christmas and the holidays and time with family. But how about you, man? I'm doing well, man. Uh, Like you said, Christmas is almost here. It's every year Halloween comes, and as soon as Halloween's over, it feels like Christmas gets here in two weeks. It's genuinely insane. But, no, I mean, look, the the break is awesome. You know, getting a little little break from the stress is fine, but, you know, the college basketball schedule is an evil, evil thing because they give us a week and a half off and then we get like this monster slate on Saturday where we mm-hmm. where we get to watch, <laughs> you know, Purdue, Arizona. We get Carolina, Kentucky. I mean, this is just going to be a bloodbath of a Saturday, which kind of perfect timing because we now yeah. don't have college football until the bowl games. Um, So, you know, it's at least it gives us something to watch. I mean, it's going to be stressful and there's a lot of good games. I hate that we get a week and a half off and don't get like a little in-betweener, you know, we got to go straight to another stressful game against another blue blood, but yeah, we're going to get into all that later, man. But we do want to talk a little bit about the UConn game because 
like my guy Riley mentioned, it has been a while. And listen, uh-huh. I promise we had an immediate reaction ready to go if if that game would have went the other way. But as soon as it wasn't going the other way, you were like, you know what? We'll sit on <laughs> yeah. this one. When it's UConn tough. went up, when we cut it to, I guess Carolina cut it to 63 to 69, and then you we you blinked and UConn was up 8166. <laughs> JK texted me and said, like, yeah, we let's hold off till next week. And I was like, I- I'm good with that. I'm kind of it, it's late on the East Coast. I was ready to go to bed once that game ended. Um, but yeah, man, we can still talk about it a little bit. I, w- I wanted to touch on it just because um you know, Carolina is obviously one of the, what, two or three best college basketball programs of all time. We're going to argue it's number one. So you don't really want to look for moral victories. Yet at the same time, when you look at uh, sort of the, the the ups and downs of this program over the last half decade and even the last two years of the Hubert Davis era outside of the tournament run, kind of that one of the knocks on him has been they – and to lose these big non-conference games, and oftentimes it's not close. I mean, they got beat pretty easily at Indiana last year. Um, dropped a couple close games, obviously, to Iowa State and Alabama. No shame in that last year. Uh, but then the year before, getting beat pretty handily by Purdue and Tennessee. Um, so where you want to start to see some progress from that. And they're, they're already ahead of schedule on that end. You know, I think Arkansas will be a tournament team. Tennessee is going to stay a great win all year. Um, and to see, like really the first half of the first yeah the the first 10 minutes of that game against UConn I thought UNC looked like one of the best teams in the country and I I think you know one of my biggest takeaways is that Carolina's top six can compete with anybody um that they are that good when you look at Elliot Cadeau RJ Davis Cormac Ryan Harrison Ingram Armando Baycott and Seth Trimble that that top six is you you know there's a little bit of volatility with guys like Cormac who is in a bit of a funk right now and our Armando has the occasional head scratcher but as a whole you sort of know what you're going to get from that group and it's a good balance of offensive firepower with a lockdown defender and Seth coming off the bench um and even that that starting five has some good cohesiveness on that end of the court defensively too it's not great um but it's you know probably better than we might have might have thought but it's just it seemed like it was that it played out in this UConn game as Carolina's question mark still on the bench or ultimately it's undoing. Uh, it seemed like the guys got a little winded in the second half. You know, they cut it to five and couldn't convert on a couple shots as, as UConn was missing shots. And next thing you know, I mean, they did what champions do. I know it's cliche, cliche, but they pulled away twice. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm feeling positive and negative about it. I'm, a bit negative because I feel like this is going to be a little bit closer to the iron five than we may have imagined because I mean, there's just no way to sugarcoat this. The withers minutes have been bad. The mm-hmm. Wojcik minutes haven't been impressive. The Washington minutes haven't been good. The only thing I could think of is maybe like try a little more Zayden, mm-hmm. try bringing a Kunkwo in like, you know, mm-hmm. switch it up a little bit. Cause there comes a point in time where it's like, you know, I'm I'm pretty much worried most of the time defensively when Washington's out there, and I'm worried yeah. offensively when Withers is out there. So it's it's tough, but I mean, you look at the positives. Um, we shot seven of fourteen on non-Cormac Ryan threes. You know, you bring in a guy to shoot, and he goes zero for six, which is probably an anomaly. 
Um, in most in most cases, he goes two for six, and if that's the case, you know, it's not like he was chucking contested looks either. These were right. open looks, and mm-hmm. you know, say he goes two for six, that's eighty-seven to eighty-two. You know, it might be a different game in crunch time. It's so there's that. You know, some shots just not falling. I will say two things though, and that is if Ingram and RJ are going to play at this level, you know, and Baycott just is remotely himself. Now, I'm not gonna lie, he had a few out of control takes and he looked a little bit like he was trying to play hero ball. You know, he's got to tone that down a little bit. But if Ingram and RJ are gonna score at this level, this team is capable of doing a lot because they're gonna mm. have two guys who can give you twenty every night um and that's you know the only other things i'd really say is i feel like Cado did have some very freshman moments for the first time in that game mm-hmm. there was a couple mm-hmm. really costly turnovers but then this is a stat that i wanted to read you because when i saw it i didn't even believe it at first now, you probably saw it too but uconn is a frustrating team to play because even when you defend them perfectly it doesn't matter Per my God, Jim Root. Second chance points. Love him to death. Just checked, and UConn is shooting 94% from the field in the final five seconds of the shot clock this season, standing at 2.3 points per possession. You can't do anything about that. If they are shot chucking, and that's what they're going to do this year, is hit crazy shots late in the clock, props. What are you going to do? Yeah, they got like Tristan Newton has been insane this year. He's I don't see how he's not an All-American. He might be the best. He's at worst the third best point guard in the country. He might be at worst too. Like Isaiah Stevenson, State. He's kind of the only other guy who sticks out to me. Um, Alex Caraban is a contested shot maker. Cam Spencer can get going. Like they are truly a nightmare to uh, to defend because – on top of their talent, Danny Hurley runs this beautiful motion offense. And, you know, Bill Self said it. You got to switch against UConn. You can't defend them if you if you don't switch. Carolina switched. They switched, mainly switched one through four. Armando was switching some one through five. They don't have the length and athleticism to make up for it if there's a single miscommunication. And they're still getting on the same page. Still a bunch of new pieces on this team. They got burned a couple times, and that like, it's not like a oh UNC's poorly coached or UNC's poorly executing. I mean, maybe they're not executing as well as they could be. But again, when you look at those caveats of a bunch of new pieces, of them still trusting each other and figuring it out, like it's understandable. Um, and yeah, the fact that UConn creates <laughs> that insane percentage that late in the shot clock, uh, and even from like the positives on that, there was especially in the first half a lot of good defensive possessions where Carolina would uh, play well for twenty five seconds, um, and UConn would just finally get a good shot, or they would even force a miss. And this is where I would say uh, speaks a little bit to where I want to see some more Zayden High or maybe even some James Aconquo getting beat on the glass you know it's really tough when you play a good possession of defense but UConn gets a second chance opportunity and it often leads to a step in three we saw that a ton in the second half as well um and that's kind of how they were put it away some good some good baseline out of bounds plays drawn up to get caravan free off of like double screens and stuff like it it really does look impossible to fit (laughs) yeah they're quick and so and I mean, you know, that's just the sign that you're playing a good team. Like UNC 
did most things right. They only turned it over seven times. They were very, very smart with the basketball. They missed some open looks, but on the other end, I'm pretty sure there was four shots that Alex Caravan missed from the perimeter where there was nobody within 10 feet of him. So many miscommunications. So that's why I can't get too mad about the Cormac thing because it's like we we caught a few breaks as, yeah. as, as much as – as much as they threw up a, a few prayers, there was a couple really deep threes they hit where I was like, oh, my. like every time we had momentum, it was like big shot. But like you said, the cliche, that is what championship teams do. Um, You know, I wasn't necessarily mad. I, that was a game I had really expected them to lose mm-hmm. from the beginning. So I'm not mad at it. It's not a bad loss at all. If they can come out and get a win at Kentucky this week, it's going to be huge. And they're going to be sitting eight and two with losses against Villanova, which doesn't look too hot right now, and uh, UConn. Um, but the yeah, last they, they, thing. They, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, sure. I, I do want to talk about this because we have to. The tech. What the <laughs> hell was that? <laughs> At least they made up for it and teed up Cam Spencer afterwards. I, I just like the most annoying part from all this. I didn't realize how annoying UConn fans are online until this game. Like it was kind of fun when they thought they were getting Cooper flag and they were chirping at Duke fans. I was like, this is fun to watch. Like shout out UConn. We're on the same wavelength here. Duke won the recruitment. So like Duke got the last laugh, which sucked. And and then now I I look around, I'm like, I thought we were, I thought we were buddies here and I'm seeing all these UConn fans tweet out these Cam Spencer gifts of him, like punching air and like, chirping at the crowd after Armando gets teed up like come on now I thought there was this, a mutual respect here <laughs> first off why are we teeing people up for chirping that's the stupidest thing ever it's a problem at all levels right now like the NBA is ejecting guys for stupid things you know we got guys in college getting teed up for stuff like dude let these guys be intense like if he stares someone down and says like give me that or like who cares like let them be intense, especially if you're going to tee up Mondo and then let Cam Spencer go down the whole entire court dropping F-bombs. And it's just like, you know, that's just insane to me. But the thing that really got me got me hot, too, about the UConn fans is, you know, Armando had the quote and he was like, he was saying some things that he wouldn't say if, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then oh, yeah. Yeah, some yeah. UConn alumni one. that played there, I don't remember who it was, was like, I promise you, Cam gonna say no. It was uh, what's his? He's done stuff with the field of sixty eight. Played with Cam at Rutgers, and he was like, "I promise you, Cam." Oh, Geo Baker. Say, yeah, it was Geo. I promise you, Cam gonna say anything anywhere. And I'm like, dude, why are we trying to just spin Cam Spencer off like he's Draymond Green, dude? This dude's not doing nothing. I'm sorry, like he's not. Like, I mean, you know what they say, man. It's easy to chirp in a controlled environment when you know nothing can happen to you, but. Listen, UConn just is is salty because, yes, they are extremely successful in the last 25 years. They've been arguably the most successful program in the last 25 years. But, like, they hate every blue blood because they want to be called a blue blood so bad. And me personally, I would put them in that conversation, but other people don't. And I think that just gets them a little butthurt, so they get fired up, man. Yeah, and – Speaking to their success, I, I got to take some shots at them right now just because, because one, I don't think UConn fans listen to us anyway, so we probably won't reap the, the reap <laughs> Maybe the we should send it to Doster, see this, what he this is, has to say. <laughs> this is going to gas the UNC fans up and just get them, you know, keep them in our corner. You know how if you're ever working on a group project or you're, I know you um, work in the media, so you don't really go to an office, but like maybe one day in your life, this will happen when you're in an office or a group project or some sort of gathering where, uh, someone brings a dozen donuts 
like a morning, a morning meeting of sorts. Someone might bring donuts to lift the spirits. Let's say that you say you have eight people in attendance here. You know, everybody eats a donut. You got a four left over. Then you got a couple people going back for more. Everybody gets their fill and then there's one donut left and you've only had one donut. You're thinking like, do I really want this donut? It's, it's, it's just like kind of a boring glazed donut, you know, maybe little sprinkles on it. Nothing too special. I'm, I'm personally a cake donut guy. So I wouldn't, uh, you're just sitting there de de deliberating. Do I take this or not? And then it's like, okay, well, if no one else is going to eat it, they're just going to throw it away. I guess I'll take this last donut. That is how UConn has won like five of their championships. It's just like, oh, no one else wants this. You, you, no one's going to take this donut. No one's going to take this championship. We'll we'll come in as an eight seed and win it all. We'll, we'll beat Kentucky in 2014 and just have a guard go nuclear. Oh, we'll come in as a four seed in, in a final four with FAU and San Diego State. Like if no one else wants this, I guess we'll have this last donut. Like that's that. I think that's the frustrating thing about UConn fans when they chirp because it's like, Yes, I respect it. There is that mutual respect. Like championships are championships. Banners last forever. But like you just you can't you can't have like a half decade long stretch where you don't sniff the tournament in between your titles. Like, come on now. Like that that that's yeah, where it's... it gets frustrating when they 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 talk like they're blue bloods and they talk like yeah, they're us. And they talk like they have decades of excellence. I feel like you character. can't be be title or bust and be a blue blood. Like what makes a blue blood a blue blood is that they're like almost always like a top five seed. They're always there in some capacity. I don't know. I mean, respect to UConn for winning their chips, but you know, it's like you said, man, I think a lot of that just comes with the identity of the coaches and they're able to take those championships because they always have a hard nosed intense coach. They went from Calhoun and now they have Hurley and those guys are both like, you know, we're, we might not be the best team on the floor, which last year, I think from a talent perspective, is one of the few years from top to bottom, they were like just really damn good. But, you know, it it's just one of those things where Hurley was going to have his guys ready no matter what. They weren't going to get punked, and that's the difference. A lot of it, like March Madness, not like – I'd say 50% of March Madness is showing up and having that mentality of we're not getting punked today. Um, But, yeah, that's a – that's that's our little that's our little uh, rant on the UConn UNC game. Now it's time to move on to a battle of two actual blue bloods, if you will, <laughs> UNC and Kentucky. All right, this is going to be an interesting one because Kentucky just beat Penn on Saturday, so they're only coming off a week break. UNC is going to be coming off almost two. Um, not that that really matters too much but th there's just a lot to discuss here man because these Kentucky freshmen are special Aaron Bradshaw looked really good on Saturday like I I just genuinely think regardless of the outcome this is just going to be a classic UNC and Kentucky offensive slugfest regardless what like what are your initial thoughts here we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When across the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I wanted to add when it comes to the the exam break, I kind of like that. I, I know I mentioned that it's been nice to have the breather from, from the stress from a fan's perspective. But like how many times do you see Carolina or really any team in general play team play a mid-major fresh off of exams at home and come out sleepy or sloppy? Uh, like we saw two nights ago with Duke playing Hofstra. I mean, Hofstra was up five late into the first half. And I think, uh, I mean, Duke ended up pulling away in the second and winning by 20. But uh, the, the night that we recorded this, Chicago State pulled off an upset at Northwestern. Like you see it during exam week where something about those high major teams, maybe their their execution's off. They haven't been practicing as much. Same as can be said of the mid and low majors, but you know, if they're coming in with the chip on their shoulder, they're coming in a bit more motivated and yeah, I like getting to avoid that scare. Like I'm happy that a, a really good app state team isn't coming into Chapel Hill this week where we're fresh off exams or something, but, um, Hey, there's a correlation there <laughs> and I'm throwing shade. I just feel like throwing shade at people today. You notice the correlation of the teams that come out slow are the teams that go to schools who are held to a high academic standard like Northwestern <laughs> and Duke. Duke. <laughs> like I don't think anyone that goes to Alabama is coming out flat during exams, respectfully. Respectfully, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I don't know, man. Anyway, I'll get us back on track, but <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if either team has any rust because, like, you know, seven days, 11 days, there's probably not that much of a difference in, like, a, a rust factor there. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, this this is going to be a shootout. Um, both teams play exceptionally fast. In some ways, I think it's going to feel a little bit like the diet version of the the UNC Kentucky game from the 2016-2017 season. 
yeah. final score of 103 to 100. Um, I say diet because that UConn team had two all pros on it and Bam Adebayo and Deer and Fox, uh, not to mention Malik Monk as well. Uh, that team was insane. I actually love that Kentucky team. They're so fun to watch. But I, like this Kentucky team has a lot of talent, but you know, I, I don't see two future all pros on it. Um, and UNC probably has a little less NBA talent than that UNC team did. The only draft pick on that Carolina team was Justin Jackson, a uh, lottery pick who, you know, hasn't really stuck. Um, no shame in that, but like there's probably there's decent chance. There's not a lottery pick on this UNC team, but you have a couple guys who have pro aspirations. So um, yeah, it, it might not hit the hundred threshold, but I like, I'd, I kind of expected to hit the nineties, high eighties into the nineties. So, all right, we talked about the Kentucky freshman, Dillingham, Reed Shepard, um, now Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. Justin Edwards has been extremely underwhelming. He has just been really bad, to say the least, which totally means I'm expecting him to hit every shot against Carolina. Um, that just seems to be the way the cookie crumbles. But of those freshmen, like, who is, who's the key? Like, who's the one in your mind that North Carolina just can't let get going. I think it's pretty clearly Dillingham. He can swing a game, turn it on his head on his own. And you factor in the, the him being from North Carolina, him having a history of growing up a UNC fan. And, you know, I don't know how the exact story and how the exact recruitment went, but Carolina recruited him really hard. And then it hit a certain point where I think it was, it was almost like a mutual parting of both parties, uh, as far as like what was reported. So with that being said though, there's, uh, I would guess Dillingham wants to prove something or have a little revenge factor to where he is by far the scariest dude to me in this game. If he comes off the bench, as soon as he checks in, I need to see Seth Trimble go into the scores table as well. You can't yeah. let Dillingham give you 20, 20 plus off the bench. I completely agree simply because and, you know, it's probably a stupid comparison because, oh, they both come off the bench. But he just has such Jamal Crawford vibes where it's like he's coming he's coming off the bench to get buckets. Mm-hmm. Whereas a guy like Reed, yeah, if you leave him open, he's going to make you play. But he is a much more, like, just go with the flow of the game guy. Like, Reed might have 6, 5, and 5, or he mm-hmm. might have 18. So you can't leave him open, but... Rob's sole purpose for this Kentucky team is come in and drop 15 plus off the bench. And that's like, all right, they lost the Wilmington game. Why'd they lose the Wilmington game? Because Dillingham shot one of nine from the field and he couldn't hit anything off the bench, scored two points. Like they got 25 from Reed. They got 14 from Reeves. They got 11 from Mitchell, 11 from Edwards. And they lost because Dillingham couldn't score. He is the scorer that, that sparks them. Like, if I'm just not that worried if Antonio Reeves comes out and scores 25, like whatever, if he does, he does. I'm worried if Rob comes off the bench and is six of seven to start the game, all of a sudden it was a close game. Now it's not because he came in and blew it open. So that I agree with that completely. Now going to the other side of the ball, who's the guy who can swing this game for UNC because we've seen it be Ingram. We've seen it be Davis. We've seen Cadeau have his moments. Who's the guy against this group? Uh, I I mean, kind of staying similar spark plug and 
well, I guess RJ Davis is less of a spark plug now and more just like a bucket. Uh, I think it's him. I don't know. I don't like as good as Reed has been on defense, smart of a defender he is. I don't think he can check RJ. I don't think Dillingham can check RJ. I don't think DJ Wagner can check RJ. Like this should be another 25 plus outing from RJ Davis. And Carolina needs that to win. Um, you start talking about him crossing the 30 point mark then I'd feel really, really good about Carolina's chance to come out victorious here. Um, yeah, I think he's got to be the the engine that, well, Cadeau is sort of the engine in the sense that he sets everybody up, but RJ has to be, what's a good, what's a good way to close that? If, if RJ's got to be the accelerator <laughs> that like finishes the job, you know? Yeah, I also, I love creating narratives. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm going with the Cadeau's going to take this game personally narrative because for whatever reason, if it is not ACC coverage, nobody is talking about Cadeau. And I guess it's because the scoring numbers aren't there, but all he's had to hear is Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham. And, you know, basically there was a list, I think Jamie Shaw did it, and it was like 10 like most impactful freshmen so far. And I don't even think Cadeau was in the top 10. So I think he's going to take I think he's going to take it personally anytime he lines up across an opposing freshman mm-hmm. but I think that is is a narrative that I'm willing to rock with. I also think that like Baycott's going to be huge here because Bradshaw just kind of came at an undersized pin team 17 and 11. He's a guy that if he gets going that's just adding an extra layer that they didn't even have before. Um, yeah. And I also think playing defense on Trey Mitchell is going to be huge because Trey Mitchell's had a couple games this year where he gets going, scores 25, and then, you know, when you're getting 25 from Trey Mitchell, we're not winning that game. So I need Armando to do a little bit what he did to Klingon. Get Trey mm-hmm. Mitchell in some early mm-hmm. foul trouble, attack the basket, not out of control, though, and take over. And then, oh God, I'll be honest – I think Ingram should have a field day because Reeves can't guard him either. Edwards doesn't weigh enough. Mm-hmm. The- Reeves Thero, doesn't weigh enough either. Thero is only six. He's six six, and he's kind of small. So it's like Harrison Ingram should be able to get downhill at will in this game. Like realistically, like I, I mean, I just agree with you. I think the I think the mismatches just go in Carolina's favor. Like. Mm-hmm. I trust RJ to guard those Kentucky guards far more than I trust him to guard RJ. I think I'm with you on that. I I, I actually think he and Cadeau have been nowhere near the liability that people thought they would be. It's been more so wings, like six, seven, six, eight Dalton Connect types, or I guess Caravan's probably more of a stretch four than a wing, but he torched UNC. Um like to that's that's honestly why Trey Mitchell's a little bit scary. I think he's not the level of shooter Caravan is, or um, he's. I mean he he's plays really smart. He moves the ball. He's been a phenomenal passer this year. Uh, you got to keep him in check. Yeah, if Reeves gives you buckets, I mean you can still win. I feel like Reeves is sort of the the knockdown shooter and a bit of a go to guy. Um, but yeah, this is where you really want to see Carolina flex its its veteran experience. You want to see RJ Davis make Rob Dillingham look like he needs another year of school. You want to see Armando Baycott 
use his strength and his 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 old man i guess really the old man strength on on bradshaw like and get those dudes in foul trouble um where i will say i think kentucky can swing it is with its bench play just because i i mean i would feel better about unc going into this game i'd feel better about them long term if they could just get a reliable seventh and eighth man I would yeah. love to see Carolina give an eight man rotation. It's nice that that Paxson, you know, he's he played twenty minutes against Arkansas and didn't kill you. He's, um, you know, he's not making many mistakes. Just needs to to look at the rim a little bit more, uh, be ready to shoot. Um, would love to see Zayden High get some minutes, especially with Carolina struggles on the glass. You don't want to get crushed on the glass by the Kentucky team, because uh, yeah, if I mean. I get they probably want to see what they have in Jalen Withers some more, but it just seems like there's again, this is this is something that I don't have any experience with because I've I've only coached, you know, church league basketball before. Um I don't know what you do. Like, do you try to get see if Jalen Withers can figure it out, or do you say, you know, he's this is his fourth year of college basketball? You have a decent sample size. Let's see what the young guy can give us who there's not really much of a drop off with athleticism between him and high. And you know, high has an incredible motor. He he's going to make some freshman mistakes. He might foul a three point shooter. He might get a goaltend, but he's going to play hard a hundred percent, like every single one of his minutes. Yeah. I almost think this is the type of game where you try it too, because what does Kentucky consist mostly of freshmen? So it's like (laughs) him being on the court against them. He's not going to be out there with, four seniors like mm-hmm. he's going to be out there against opposing freshmen so I don't know I just want to see a little bit a little bit of change off the bench because just clearly the team's just noticeably worse when certain guys come in and you know I just I feel good about this game for so many reasons one there's no way Cormac's going to shoot that bad again like last time he shot this bad I was out on him and then the next two games he came out on like a tear <laughs> Harrison Ingram remains on fire. RJ remains on fire. Armando's looks good enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I just like I like that Kentucky wants to play with pace because that's exactly what UNC wants to do. And that's why this is going to be an offensive shootout. I think that just plays to Carolina's to Carolina's favor. And I just I think that UNC also knows that this is pretty important because of how good Oklahoma looks. Mm-hmm. They have to win at least one of these next two games because if they lose to Kentucky, now we're talking seven and three coming to Charlotte to play what's probably still going to be an undefeated Oklahoma team. So this is a very important stretch for them. Um, Final thoughts, predictions, et cetera, from you, Mr. Davis. All right. So I think Carolina splits these next two games. Um, Call it an emotional hedge, if you will. I kind of think that's the most realistic outcome. If they win both these games, I'm going to be saying UNC is a national championship contender. Because <laughs> I, like, I think there's a world, you know, it's funny. I said if we get a reliable seventh and eighth man, then it it affects my view of Carolina long term. Um, even if we even if we don't, even if it's just these six guys and you don't know what you're getting from guys seven through ten there's a world where Carolina can make a final four. There's a world where they can make a deep March run. That's not fluky. They have really good players. They have 
good college players. They got a guy I think will get drafted in Ingram and a guy who will eventually get drafted in Elliot Cadeau, whether it's this upcoming summer or next year. Um, but yeah, I'll be saying we're national championship contenders if we win both these games. That said, I don't know which one we're going to win. I would lean the Oklahoma game because it's in Charlotte. So I'm going to pick Kentucky uh, just because I think the the bench is better. And I think Dillingham is going to be a problem. And I, again, I, it's going to be like 94 to 91 is my prediction. Listen, guys, I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to let this negative Nancy weigh me down over here, okay? <laughs> UNC is going to win their last three non-con games. It's my prediction. Um, This this is going to be like the opposite of UConn and what I said about Tennessee. Instead of first to 65, this is going to be like the first to to 85, maybe. Um, I I do think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to go UNC. It's in Atlanta, so it's like – it could be a split crowd. Like it really yeah, it's could. just Kentucky fans travel so well, but there are like a ton of Carolina alums in Atlanta. It's it's weird, man. Like I don't even know. Like this is a true 50-50 split, probably from a crowd perspective. Maybe lean a little bit towards Kentucky home game, but I'd say it's fairly neutral. Um I I'm gonna go 92 to 87 UNC. And yeah, I mean I do think that this is going to be a shootout, but I don't think it has quite the amount of offensive talent in it to be that that 103 to 101 yeah. type game, which, you know, if it is, that'd be absolutely nuts. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay positive here. Going to keep the vibes high. Probably going to be wrong again, but it's all right. I, I will gladly be wrong if I'm predicting UNC. If, if I'm riding with my guys and I'm wrong about it, so be it. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it, it gets into crunch time after that. I, th- I think UNC is on the fence right now. If People don't really know if they want to call him a contender yet, but mm-hmm. I am fully with Riley in that. If they go 2-0 in these next two, and you are not a UNC fan, do not listen to that podcast episode after the Oklahoma game if they're 2-0, because you <laughs> you will not have a fun time. It it is going to be an absolute, it's going to be an absolute glaze fest in here. It's going to be great, but all right, man, fun as always with my guy, Riley, we will be back after the Kentucky game. We're trying to get a guest on. Okay. I promise we're trying, we're working. So if you're listening to this, just know you don't have to deal with just us two for too long. We're trying to line something up. Um, And yeah, we'll be, we'll be here to recap that. So we're sorry for the hiatus. We cannot help the college basketball schedule. Hey, I got a quick four corners before we depart. Love um, that. This is for all the alums in Atlanta. Th- these are four things not to wear to this game. Don't wear your driving loafers. Don't wear your quarter zip. Don't wear your button down. Don't wear your chinos. This is not the game to just be like sick going to get off of work, you know, in in the investment banking world or what have you catch the Carolina game on Saturday and win, lose or draw. We're going out to a nice dinner afterwards and I'm going to enjoy my, my nice Atlanta life. No, this is a game where you got to be locked in. You got to be loud. You got to make it a raucous environment that drowns out big blue nation. Uh, 
don't just don't don't be the wine and cheese stereotype. That's my PSA to the Atlanta alums. Y'all are going against some straight bluegrass bandits. They're going to be in there with their shirts off, letters (laughs) painted on them, wigs, going nuts. Y'all got to match that intensity, man. You got to pull up in like your your frat days, 2018 UNC shirt with like three beer stains on it that just won't come out. Like you got to be in there loud and rowdy, man. Like. Let let them know what's up because I'm telling you, Kentucky fans are ruthless, and y'all y'all do not want to get y'all don't want to get shown up. So show up and show out. Listen, that's gonna do it for this edition of the pod. Is the roof? Stay tuned. We will be dropping this, and we will be dropping a recap soon, probably in the Sunday to Monday range. And of course, as always, stay safe. Be devious in the stands this week. And just enjoy some Carolina sports, man. We'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.